Welcome to the College Football Playoff Show Q&A, where Doug Maurice and Shahan J. Haraja answer questions about the playoff and its contenders from subscribers. Thanks, you guys, for joining us. Doug and Shahan again on the press conference episode. Football started. I don't know. Shahan, you spent a lot of time watching Nebraska-Illinois or UCLA-Hawaii or some of the other games last weekend. You're allowed to say no because I didn't watch much. I mean, why would I watch Nebraska-Illinois when I can watch two better teams and watch UTEP-New Mexico State? There you go. Do you see any any playoff contenders out there that we need to get in the mix this week? Uh, For the FBS playoffs? I, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm sure there was I'm sure there was some team that could be an absolute monster at the FCS level. But uh, man, I I I knew that things were not going well at Nebraska, but Scott Frost coming out and saying, wow, we didn't realize that Illinois was going to line up a certain way. That's that's something. That's the thing yeah. that happened. They got Bielema, man. Bielema's <laughs> back, baby. I will say I know that UCLA has been a little bit of a Pac-12 sleeper for, for some people. And sure, sure. Chip Kelly's Chip Kelly, and it's just taken a long time. But that is something. Now, you know, so they, they took care of Hawaii. How impressive is that? I don't know. But they are a team that's not impossible, I would say, Shahan, for UCLA to maybe work its way up into our rankings at some point this year if they get a little hot in the South there. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a path to it. It's going to take a lot more than looking impressive against Hawaii, of course, but they do play LSU this week, right? So that's going to be an opportunity for them to to prove something. Now, I don't know if a win would be enough to get them into our or into our conversation, but a dominant win, a couple wins after that. I mean, I, I think that they have been building in a lot of ways to this year, and, and I think it's going to be an exciting game this Saturday. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, some of these teams, you know, you see, or excuse me, LSU certainly is a team, Shahan, that we could have considered as a playoff contender. We could have talked about them on the main pod, but we already, you know, we already have three teams from the SEC in and, you know, we just don't want to make it an all SEC pod, but they're right there. And if they look good early in the season, you know, I mean, heck, if UCLA beats LSU, we might be talking about UCLA soon, but we also might be talking about LSU soon if they just take care of business for a little bit. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not projecting anything off a five and five team. I don't care how exciting that they are coming into the year. They got to play their way back in. You can't go five and five and be uh, kind of grandfathered back into the conversation. I think uh, Shahan is uh, underestimating what the Tigers can do this year, Shahan. So I would say that I agree with that, though. We, we, I, there are just some teams that need to show us first before we're going to put them in. Cincinnati is the team we're going to discuss on the main pod this week, so make sure you're there for that. We're also going to make our playoff picks. But this is the Q&A episode, the press conference episode, where we take questions from our tech subscribers. If you'd like to be part of that, you can join us for a buck a month. And it's free at the start. So like, if you're like, I don't know if I can go all the way in with the $1 investment, you can try us out for two weeks and see what you think. Send a text to 817 442 Eight nine, But we do have some questions already, and we'll get those started. Shahan, a good one for you that I think is the kind of thing that you end up talking about in the preseason. We'd like to talk about, hey, who might make the playoff? And there's always the, well, who maybe are you out over your skis on a little bit? This is from our guy Joseph in Atlanta. There's usually a top 10 team that falls flat on its face and finishes something like 7-5 and five or worse. Forget the AP poll. Let's talk about the real rankings of your current list of playoff discussion teams, 
which one or more than one might be susceptible to this sort of collapse and why? So, Shahan, there's nine teams at the moment that we have in the mix. Who's maybe most susceptible to falling short of that? Yeah, I won't go as far as saying seven and five by any means, but uh, I do think that there is a chance that things just do not work at Notre Dame. Uh, We're very high on Marcus Freeman coming in. I think he's going to be a tremendous defensive coordinator. There's some talk by Brian Kelly that maybe he's the next head coach of Notre Dame, which would be pretty exciting. Uh, But at the same time, I mean, offensively, I think things worked in a way last year that I think people are taking a little for granted. Uh, Ian Book, not necessarily a fantastic quarterback, but he is one of the better quarterbacks that they've had over the last 10 to 20 years. And so now you bring in Jack Cohn, who is going to be okay, but he's going to be asked, I think, to do a lot for this Notre Dame offense. And defensively, they did lose a couple of key pieces, even though they bring back Kyle Hamilton. I, I definitely see a path where, again, they don't go 7-5 and five or anything like that, but they're more in the 8-9 win range where we don't really have them in this conversation and, and kind of figure that out pretty soon. I think that's a good one. I'm a little apprehensive about a team that I am get more in on the more I watch them, and that's Iowa State. Just because I, I am always, I think a lot of people are, a little apprehensive of, of teams that, when they surprise people, hey, great, they're a surprise team. Nobody expects anything. And all of a sudden, you put some expectations on them, like a top 10 ranking. And then it's like, okay, well, is this too much? They've lost four of their last five and three in a row to Iowa in that rivalry game. I think that second week Iowa State-Iowa game is one of the most important games in college football for some of these fringe contenders because I just wonder if it turns out that, okay, not only are you not a playoff contender, you're still not the best team in your own state. And Iowa's a legitimate top 20 team. I wonder if it could get south for Iowa State kind of in a hurry. And all of a sudden, all right, now the Texas game looks tougher. Now somebody else in the Big 12, Kansas State or Oklahoma State or TCU or somebody's going to make you pay. And all of a sudden, you are looking at a 7-5 and five kind of year. So I really like them, but I think it's a little bit of a tightrope. A tight and if it... If it gets loose in week two, Shahan, I could see it maybe getting away from them just because they don't normally deal with these kinds of expectations. Yeah, and I think that one of the things about that, too, is that we've obviously talked a lot about how close they were against Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game, and they only lost Oklahoma State by three points. But the flip side of that is that they won four games by less than one score. So, yes, there's definite upside, but when you're a team that relies as much on execution as Iowa State does, well, a player two really can doom your entire season. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Let's move on to the next one. This one is from Troy in Atlanta. All right, Atlanta back-to-back. Look at that. With Bama, Clemson, UGA, Oklahoma, and OSU having loaded rosters, which three teams that you have in the playoff discussion would be most affected by a key injury or a key player missing a game due to COVID? Essentially, which three teams in your playoff field have the worst depth? Yeah, so this is one of those where the 247 composite talent rankings have come out now. That's a thing that a lot of people target at this time of the year, where they go through the entire roster. They look at the recruiting rankings of everybody. And no surprise, Bama's number one in those rankings. And again, I like that people are talking about our little cohort, Sean. It's like, forget what the AP poll says. What about your group? That's the whole point of this. Yes. Our little club, our nine-team club right now that might move to 10 with Cincinnati Alabama's one in that talent ranking, Georgia two, Ohio State three, Clemson four, Oklahoma six, Texas A&M seven, Oregon eight, Notre Dame 12, Iowa State 55th. (laughs) I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so on that standpoint, but I'm not going to say Iowa State because they're already 
exceeding expectations. They're all doing more. It's like, okay, what? One injury is going to kill a team that's already 55th in a talent index and is in the top 10 of the preseason poll. A lot of this, Shahan, and I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert on the too deep on every team that we're talking about here. I know Alabama came out with its preseason um, too deep chart on Monday. I think 11 true freshmen somewhere in that too deep, which is really interesting to think about. I can't help but go towards quarterback with this a little bit, Shahan, just because that's when you talk about COVID, it's like, where did we really see it last year? Well, we saw Trevor Lawrence miss two games with COVID. And hey, look, here's a five-star freshman who's ready to step in and take over there. Because we have so many young starting quarterbacks that I think the best the best way for a, a big-time team to work is you've got your dude, and then like two classes below that, you have the next dude. And when your young dude is the backup to your star, it's like, well, our backup quarterback is going to be our starting, starting quarterback one day. But those young guys are starting at Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State. So especially at Bama and Clemson, I, I don't know quite as much about the pipeline. I wonder what would happen at the quarterback position at either of those teams. Right now, now with Oklahoma, if they had to go to Caleb Williams, I guess, right, Shahan? I mean, that's early, but the dude's a monster talent, right? It's so Caleb I, Williams. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's everything, and he's going to be everything when it's his turn at Oklahoma. Paul Tyson at Alabama, I, I, I just Clemson, I'm just a little more unsure, and I can't help but go quarterback there. Am I trying to cover up from the fact that I'm not an expert on the two deep on these nine teams? Yeah, I'm trying to cover that up. <laughs> Please, if that's what you're, if this audience is judging me on my two deep knowledge across the board, maybe I should just stop talking and let Shahan talk. But I do think Shahan, you know, Texas A&M had a quarterback battle, Ohio State had a quarterback battle, Oregon had a quarterback battle. Notre Dame had a quarterback battle. Sometimes when you have a battle, it means your number two guy's a little more ready. I wonder what would happen if Clemson and Bama hit a spot like Clemson did last year at quarterback because of COVID. Yeah, well, I remember when you pitched me this podcast, uh, one of the things that you said was, it's not like we're going to have to know like the back of left guard for Alabama. And look at this, you not knowing the back of left guard is screwing us right now. But <laughs> but what I'll say, what I'll say, I, I think you're on a on the right path. Uh, the thing that I'll say, though, is North Carolina, they have so much talent in their last two recruiting classes. And before that, it's a little more suspect. So you're kind of mixing the talent with the experience. And and I think that they're more dependent on one player than probably any other team uh, on this entire board with Sam Howell. So I, I think that if something were to go wrong at North Carolina, that's really where I think you start to run into issues because you have guys back there, but I don't think that you have mountains and mountains of proven depth. And so uh, North Carolina would probably be my answer. Obviously, I think Iowa State's a, an obvious one for that, that if they lost some of their key players, especially on defense, it's going to be difficult. But, uh, but I look at North Carolina as really being a team that like, man, if they lose that one guy, I think the mar the margin for error is just so small. I also would just like to make clear that North Carolina is technically not one of our playoff cohort teams because you booted him out last week. You're Sean. right. You're right. It's been a long week. OK, it's been a long week. <laughs> but I but they're at the fringe of the discussion. Right. And I think that is a valid consideration. We're actually going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and talk briefly about why it's been a long week for Shahan J. Haraja. We'll do it next on the College Football Playoff Show. Doug Maurice back with someone that we now need to introduce with a, we make sure with a particular uh, title that has changed since you last listened to this podcast. And it's super exciting. 
And it would be like me say, let me tell you Shahan's exciting news, but I'm not going to do that. It's Shahan's <laughs> exciting news. Shahan, and officially, by the way, we are naming, renaming this podcast the College Football Playoff Show with Shahan and some other guy. Because of this, Shahan, tell the people what's going on. Well, exciting news. Uh, I got picked up by CBS Sports. I'm going to be a national college football writer over there. Now, when they brought me on, I, I said, look, I, I have this rinky-dink little show with Doug Maurice. I got to keep doing it. I got to keep doing it, okay? So uh, this won't change anything, especially for this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you thought that my takes were bad, you'll get to see them more places now. It's super exciting, man. I mean, like, this is, it's not like there are 500 national college football writers. I mean, there are select outlets that have select people doing this gig. And for you to have earned this opportunity at the young age that you are, Shahan, I mean, this is this is a credit to you. It's a credit to your football knowledge, a credit to your passion, your skills as a writer, your skills as a podcaster. It's, I hope people realize um, what a big deal this is, because, like, I'm super excited about it, because... I'll be frank, man. It's good for the podcast. You're going to be even more famous now. <laughs> you know, it's it's a weird thing, right? Because I definitely think I'm good at this, but it's it's always weird when you get that kind of confirmation, you know, like when you kind of get like somebody like that, somebody like CBS saying, oh, hey, we think that you're good at this. And like, it's not just me being like, no, you don't understand. Our magazine is punching a little above our weight. Right. And and by the way, Dave Campbell's Sex Football, still a tremendous outlet. You still should read all of it. Uh, they made a great hire to replace me, but it's it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Uh, the, the thing that I <laughs> that my wife said is that like th this job is parent proof. Because, you know, when you work for Dave Campbell's Sex Football, it is a magazine that means a lot to people in the state of Texas. A lot of people know it very well. It's considered the Bible of Texas football. But when you say that you work for CBS Sports, everyone's parents know exactly what you're talking about. So from that perspective, uh, it, it, it's a nice little deal. Do you know Jim Nance now? Is that how <laughs> this works? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I'll check our company directory. Maybe it's in there. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll be able to get Tony Romo on the phone. I don't know how this works. I'm brand new. This was my first day on Monday. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll definitely see if I can, uh, if I can try and uh, make somebody's life a living hell with that company directory. Yeah, see if, uh, see if Tony Romo wants to come on the college football playoff show. If you could swing that, I don't know. I, I don't think so, but, uh, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll say, hey, it's the college football FCS playoff show and we can talk about some Eastern Illinois. There we go. There we go. Well, congratulations, Shahan. Well earned. And uh, we're we're excited that you're sticking with us on the college football playoff show. So, all right, let's get back to the questions from our loyal tech subscribers. Again, if you will be part of it, 817-442-6789. It's our guy, Billy, talking again about some COVID stuff, because, listen, like this is stuff this. This stuff is still popping, and, and I think all of us hoped and, and kept our fingers crossed that maybe we'd be more past this by now than we are. But obviously, it continues to be an issue in our society, and so it continues to be an issue in college football. How much or how little harm would a COVID-19 forfeit be compared to a regular loss for one of the big four teams? Again, this is Billy and Shahan. All of the conferences have come out now basically said, if you can't play and your opponent can, it's going to be a forfeit. How do you think the committee would look into that, especially if it's about Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, or Oklahoma? 
Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't think, even though we'll have to see a one or maybe even a two, obviously, in the loss category, which is going to be a weird deal, I don't think it's going to be treated as a normal loss. Uh, I think more than anything, it's going to be treated more as a, of a loss of opportunity. We kind of saw that with Clemson last year when Trevor Lawrence was out, that uh, that just losing the game to Notre Dame, it was kind of counted as a loss, but it, it didn't hit them quite as hard as, uh, as maybe a regular loss because people kind of recognized, and they also had an opportunity to make it up in the conference championship game. So I do think that it will matter, but I think that it'll matter far less than a real loss. Um, it's I, I hope that we don't have to answer this question, right? I hope that this doesn't become a possibility. Yeah. But I think more than anything else, it's going to be seen more as a lost opportunity for a win than it is going to be treated as a full-on loss. And I think we've seen this, Shahan, with the committee over the last seven years when there's been an injury, right? A key injury to a guy and... Like, well, the team lost, but they really weren't themselves. And you could hear the way different committee chair people, when they talked about that, you they built the excuse. And maybe it's not a maybe excuse is the wrong word, but they they built the reason behind a loss into their discussion of the loss. They never have just treated a loss as a loss as a loss. So I think they would still want to put in the teams they think are the four best teams. And I do not think they would be deterred from, well, if you didn't have this forfeit, we'd put you in, but now we can't put you in. I think they'd put you in anyway. Now, I think the way you phrased it is an excellent way to phrase it. And I do think, I think it's very possible, and we'll get into this when we make our playoff picks on the show. I think it could be a mess this year, a beautiful, wonderful <laughs> mess where there is a lot of uncertainty and a lot of teams with similar records and a not very clear-cut situation where you have a bunch of undefeated teams. And so if we're getting down to that, Shahan, then I, then it's a tiebreaker, right? But I don't know that it would be much more than a tiebreaker, but the idea of, well, that would have been a game where you could have impressed us one more time and and a, a chance to that you don't get to impress us might be the difference. That could be the difference between in and out because we'll give them a little tease, Shahan. Do you agree? For the Wednesday show, do you agree it could be a great big beautiful mess of a playoff grouping this year? It's going to be interesting just because I do think that there are some of those teams at the top who aren't returning a whole lot of production, right? Where there maybe is a little more uncertainty with Alabama and Clemson especially than in previous years. So I do think that this could be a year where we have some uncertainty. I don't know if I'm going to pick it, right? I don't know if I'm going to project it because... Part of the issue is that you can't project something like that. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, between COVID, between injuries, between, uh, again, it being a turnover year for really just the top of the sport. I mean, the rest of college yeah. football brought everybody back. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to a question from Elijah from Wilmington, Delaware. Should a conference championship game loser ever make the playoffs? Well, Elijah, again, to tease the Wednesday, Wednesday show. I will tell you that in my scenario of my Doug world of how this shakes out this year, I have a conference title game loser making the playoff. We actually, Shahan, have not, it has not been as messy as it could have been because we have not really had that instance of a heavily favored team in a conference title game losing and then people having to say, man, we're sure they're one of the four best teams, but they're not a champ. What What do you do with the team that just beat them in the conference title game, but we think this other team's better still, right? Even if they might have the same record now, I think you can make a case that a conference title game loser still should be in. 
But I think you could also make the case that you better put the conference title game winner that beat them in with them if their records are the same, right? I, I think you have to respect the result. And it makes me nervous whenever anybody, whether it's the playoff committee, well, playoff committee is the only one that matters. I don't really care if AP voters or coaches do it because they're terrible at voting. But when people stop respecting the results and just say, I don't care who won the game, I know who the better team is, I think it's very dangerous. But I am still open to it in the right circumstance. But I do think it's dangerous, potentially. Yeah, I think you're right. If it's a team that will make the college football playoff, I, I have really little issue with it. Um, I mean, again, in previous years, you know, an Alabama-Georgia type circumstance or something like that. But if it is a situation where, let's say, Clemson does get upset by whoever, right? Uh, not North Carolina, because that would be a borderline playoff team, but like by 9-3 and three Miami, right? I, I don't think that you can make the argument that a team that didn't win its conference and lost really a play-in game in a lot of ways should have a chance to play in the college football playoff. And Again, every circumstance is different. If it's a 12 and 1 Clemson versus a 10 and 2, you know, someone else, okay, you know, then you have that conversation, but they should have a huge disadvantage to me because that is a play in game. That's how it's been really since the creation of the playoff. It's been a play in game, and everybody basically has taken care of business to this point. So, uh, so yeah, I would say that unless you're losing to a team that's going to play in the college football playoff, uh, I would not put you in in most circumstances. I would almost argue, though, I almost think it, they might excuse it more if it is a fluke, if it is to a, like a three or four loss team, because you can chalk it up as a fluke. If you lose to like a two loss team that was number 12 in the country, it's like, man, maybe we don't think you're as maybe not as good as we think you are. But if it's one of those things where there's a clear best team in the conference, the other the other division in the conference was kind of a mess and it was a three way tie at three losses and some team backed in and that team wins. I almost think the fluke factor might work in favor of the team that lost more than if you lost to a good team. You know what you know what I mean? The flip side of that though is if you are a team and you know that you have to win a game to go to the college football playoff and it's right in front of you and you have nothing else to prepare for, it's right in front of you, it's a conference championship on the line, why should we expect you to show up in the college football playoff then? That that seems like the most bare-bones reason to not give you that opportunity and to not uh, kind of let you have that pressure because that's the game. It's saying, man, we only play 13 of these things, uh, including a conference championship game and then two more in the college football playoff. If you can't show up and win your conference championship game, you shouldn't be expected to win uh, with the pressure of the playoff. And I do think the more you think of it as a playing game, the more it, any loss is inexcusable. That's like, listen, man, if we're going to be in a in a 12-team world eventually and this would just be a quarterfinal, well, there's no loser's bracket in the 12-team playoff, right? I mean, you got to right. win. So if you're treating the conference championship games as a round of the playoffs, then th there's no excuse that anybody could make. But I do think, again, I will tell you, I have a conference championship game loser in my playoff. Listen to the Wednesday show. We're going to come back and get specific a little bit. This was a thing that Shahan has written about that people have been talking about. It's we want to make sure we get this in before the season starts. What should the Big 12 do now? Now that the other conferences, the, the Pac-12 officially said it, the Big 10 and the ACC have basically said it, they're not expanding right now. What should the remaining eight teams in the Big 12 do now that Oklahoma and Texas are planning to leave. We'll do that next on the College Football Playoff Show.
Doug and Shahan back. We have some good comments from some tech subscribers, Shahan, but I know this is kind of an area of expertise for you. There seem to be kind of different schools of thought here that are all kind of in the same range, which is generally, I think, what you wrote, which is be ad- be aggressive, Big 12, like whatever form it takes, be aggressive. Is that is that a fair characterization, Shahan? And where are you on this? Yeah, I, from the beginning, I said be aggressive. Sitting here now, I'm still saying be aggressive. There's no reason to try and uh, not be aggressive in expansion. One, as the Big 12, you still have autonomy rights, autonomy power. So you still have a lot to offer any team in the group of five. And the biggest thing, and just taking a step back from all of this, right? Because a lot of people are going to say, well, without Texas and Oklahoma, you are not competitive with some of those other top leagues. And that's true. But the thing that I'll say is that I don't think it changes things for those eight Big 12 teams that much if you are aggressive. If you had, let's say, UCF, BYU, Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, some group of those teams, right? Because you likely will not make the playoff. We saw that in 2014. Baylor went through the conference 11 and 1. TC went through the conference 11 and 1. They still were not likely to make the playoff. They were treated almost more like a uh, like a group of five team, even though they made it through that conference with a with a Big 12 championship. And the other thing too is that we have this expanded playoff coming down the pipe, right? We've got a, a 12 team playoff where at least six conferences are going to at this time be guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff. And if you take the top of the American Athletic Conference, you're still consistently every single year a college football playoff team. And if you aren't, like you still will get a, potentially a Sugar Bowl berth or if you do become a quote unquote group of five conference, you're still getting a berth to the New Year Six. So I don't understand the the thought of sitting back here. I, I know everybody's looking for solid ground, I guess you'd say. You know, the Pac-12 said they're not going to expand, of course. I don't expect that the Big Ten or ACC will either. Uh, so why not be aggressive? Why not try and really cut the legs out from under the American, make sure that you are still cemented as the fifth best conference? And, and at this point, it's like, why not just try to create the best football product that you can? And who cares if somebody's like, well... This Big 12 is not as good as the SEC. We know. it. Was, the old Big 12 wasn't as good as the SEC either. Uh, okay. You know, that's that's not that huge of a deal. And so I think that you just try to create the best co- football conference that you can and create the best collection of teams that you feel like can compete potentially for that fourth playoff spot or obviously long-term uh, be one of those top six conferences. I do think it's, it's tough when the argument against anything is like, well, it won't be as good as the SEC. It's like, well, then yeah. let's just all go home. Yeah. Why, the how big is that an stop. argument? <laughs> right, right. That, that would be like, you know, like, Doug, just stop podcasting. You're not Paul Feinbaum. And it's like, well, then fine. I'll just leave. It's <laughs> like, we're just trying to be the best we can be. Just like with the Alliance, be the best you can be. I, I do think that there is room, Shahan, for the Big 12 to, to do that. And there's a world where... If you're Kansas State or TCU or Baylor or Oklahoma State, you might increase your chances of making the playoff through all this because right. Oklahoma's out of the way. And if you get to a 12-team playoff eventually, and again, everybody's kind of slow playing that now, I think they'll still get there. But if you're a champ, you're a champ, and, and I think it actually can increase your opportunities maybe in a backwards way. Let's run through a couple texter ideas here, Shahan. Then I would like to kind of maybe nail you down here at the end on what you actually think will happen with what you know about, especially the Texas schools in the Big 12, but how the rest of those Big 12 teams operate, what you actually think they will actually do. Our guy Chris says, do a Big 12 American merger. 
I think that would benefit both. Or maybe you just form a new league out of those two. If not the merger, then Boise State, BYU seem like the best they can get. But if that's the case, aren't they just the American with a bigger name? Which I think goes back to your point of like, okay, that's that's fine. Why, why wouldn't that be enough? Uh, Jacob says, the Big 12 teams, their only option at this point are to break up and join a group of five conference or rebuild by poaching some strong group of five schools. BYU and Boise are good starts, but they should try to add others like Houston and SMU to get back to 12. Cincinnati, Memphis, and UCF could be possible targets as well, as you already mentioned, Shahan. Uh, let's see. Trey, take the top of the Big 12 and the American and make a new conference with BYU as well. I think we're kind of sort of zeroing in on the same kind of stuff here. Daniel says, I think they should add Houston and maybe Cincinnati. They should shoot to get to at least 12 at this point. And then we had one more from Mason. The Big 12 will need 12 teams to help offset the loss and will become more like the Pac-12 in their irrelevancy. Well, again, that's like the Pac-12 hasn't made the playoff for a few years, but, you know, still good football, still good, still in the mix a lot of the times. What is the difference, Shahan, between the Big 12 adding a couple teams from the American or maybe pulling in somebody like Boise State and BYU and something that's more like a merger with the American? Is there what is the big difference between those two schools of thought? Well, I do think that that a merger makes less sense than just adding teams because, one, I think that you have just a little bit more control over which teams you add, right? Because you don't really, I mean, gosh, I hope that I hope that there's nobody listening from one of these schools. You don't want to add Tulsa. You don't want to add East Carolina. What, what's the point of that, right? You don't want to add Temple. They're not investing at the level of a, pro, a conference that should send a team to the college football playoff, right? Well, UCF is. Houston is. Cincinnati is like you have schools and programs that are investing at that level. So that gives you a lot more ability to just kind of add. And the other thing, too, is that you do keep some of the implicit name brand value of the Big 12. I know that, again, if we're comparing it to the Big 10 and the SEC, it's not good. Yeah, cool. OK, I mean, that that doesn't really bother me. Right. Like they, these this conference has never been up with those top two. But I think that there still are a lot of quality teams left in this conference. And there's been a, several teams that have been right on the precipice of being in the college football playoff on a couple of occasions. And so I actually think that the comparison to the Pac-12 is actually pretty apt. And I'll tell you what. Ta- uh, talking about this, the schools in the state of Texas, right, the three schools left a uh, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech. They have been killing themselves to try to find a way to the Pac-12, right? And so if you're saying, well, the Big 12 only becomes the Pac-12, I think that most of the conference would take that. Now, I do think it's going to be less money than even the Pac-12, but the American last year made $7 million. The Big 12 made $35 million, right, Uh, per school. And so... I think that if you can settle somewhere in the 20 to 25 million range, that's still more than enough. That's a lot more than you would have made if you had fully dropped down to being a group of five conference. Uh, and I think that also that still gives you a great opportunity to not every year put a team in the playoff, right? It is more similar to the Pac-12, but to have competitive years every single year to where, okay, maybe you get a team in this year. And once you have the expansion, I think you're in a great position from that point on. And, and the other side of this too is that, you know, Fox and uh, Fox and ESPN have really been the big two buyers with ESPN really taking, uh, you know, a big role in this. Well, why not? Uh, let's plug, right? Let's why not CBS take a, a chance on something like that? Why not NBC take a chance on something like that? I, I think that you just put yourself in a really interesting position if you just try to create the best conference that you can with the teams that you have left and uh, and let it work itself out from there. I'm not I'm not trying to 
say anything negative about you, Shahan, but this feels like a guy who's just trying to get a sideline reporter gig for CBS. <laughs> it's like, oh, I mean, I know I've been here a day, but you guys want to bid on the reshaped Big 12? I know them really well. Shahan Jeharaja. You should meet my friend over here. <laughs> we'll throw it back to you, Jim. Down to Shahan on the sideline. Yeah, I'm sure that Jim Nance is going to be broadcasting a lot of TCU football. I'm sure it's going to be great. So so in the end, so if you were a conference commissioner, Shahan, and again, with the way your career's taken off, give you 10 years, what would your official thing be? Would you, would, is 12 right? Would you want to try to go to 16? I mean, I, I think that to have a conference with like a great, great Texas flavor and then, you know, a lot of other stuff. I mean, there feels like a lot of opportunity here. Let's get specific. You're the commish. You're in control. What do you do? So there are two schools of thought. We talked about this a little bit last week, right? There's the Conference USA school of thought where you really aim for markets. You really aim for, you know, okay, maybe something could happen here. And then there's a flip side where you try to aim to bring in the best football that you can and try to create a combined identity throughout the league. And I think that you look at the Big 12, that's been the biggest issue. They have not had any sort of real identity. The Pac-12, whatever you want to say about them, they have a real West Coast identity. Same with the Big 10 and the Midwest and, and so on and so forth. So... That said, I I think that you need to look at adding four schools to get back to 12. I I think that being less than 12 has really put them in a precarious position because, again, when you lose two schools, it's like you're down at eight now. That's not a conference. That's nothing at this point. Whereas if you're at 12, yeah, you lose two, you know, you're at 10, but that's still a much better position, I think, than being at eight or less. Uh, So with that said, I think Cincinnati is a total no-brainer. They add a whole lot on the football side. They add a lot on the basketball side. They add a lot with some of their other sports as well. uh, They're a, a good institution as well they're in a great state in ohio of course uh, not not a pander and also i think the other thing too is that it helps guide you a little bit towards west virginia right you don't have any mm-hmm. natural partners with west virginia and that's been one of the, i mean if you're a west virginia fan i don't know how you're surviving this i don't know what you what you're doing here right this is kind of the deal where you sell out to be a member of a power conference this is what it t- that, that's what it would have taken. I, I don't know how they're doing this. Uh, but so they're a no-brainer to me. Another school that I'd consider adding, and I don't know if they will because of the politics around it, I would add Houston. I think that they have great brand value. We saw during the 70s and 80s especially how powerful that brand can become uh, in the state of Texas and the city of Houston. I mean, they don't have college football easily accessible to that city. And I think that uh, Houston kind of, uh, even under Tom Herman, when they were a team in the mm-hmm. American, they really had a strong identity and and I think that there's something to be gained there. Um, BYU makes a lot of sense because they are a national brand. Now, yep. I would consider adding them maybe as a football only member so you don't have to deal with all of it. Right. Because I think that's tough having to go west. Right. I, I think going west is a really difficult situation. But if you can especially add them as a football only member, and I think you consider all the options they make a lot of sense because I, I do think they have a lot of brand power. This is a team that's won a national championship. This is a team that finished last year uh, up in the top 15 of the AP top 25. You're getting good football. You get a national recruiting base. You get national allure. I, I think that it's hard to turn that down. And UCF is a team geographically that doesn't make a ton of sense. But 
they're so good. They're so big a brand and they're such a big school as well. I think it's hard for you to turn them down. So those would be my four choices. You could also consider Memphis. You could also consider uh, SMU. Maybe you could consider a couple other teams in the area, but those would be my four. And again, I do think that you need to get back to 12. And I think that this league would have some level of regional identity. I think that it would have both national and local ties in a couple of different areas. Uh, and more than anything, I think it would have good football. And that's really what you need at the end of it. Commissioner Shahan, for now, hold on tight, CBS Sports. You don't know how long you're going to be able to keep him. Bob Bowlesby needs at least uh, maybe an assistant or something. That's it for the press conference episode of the College Football Playoff Show. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. If you're listening and you've gotten this far, we could use your help in spreading the word a little bit. We're hoping that uh, the word gets spread as college football gets started up. Some great games coming this weekend. And just to clear everything up, we're going to start kicking teams out as we add teams now that games are starting. So Clemson, Georgia, big deal, obviously. Wisconsin, Penn State's a big one. Miami, Alabama, Indiana, Iowa. There's a lot of great games out there. But make sure you catch the Wednesday episode. We're going to make our playoff picks. And I am super eager to hear what Shahan has to say about that. 817-442-6789 for anybody who wants to join the text. But for now, thanks so much for making the press conference episode of the College Football Playoff Show part of your week. For Shahan J. Haraja of CBS Sports, I'm Doug Maurice, and that is the College Football Playoff Show.